Hi everyone, it's Jay Keith. And Helen. There is a video version of the episode you're about to listen to, and it's available for you to watch for free. To get the link, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and or Facebook, all at GoFactorPod. Then send us a direct message, and we'll reply with the link you need to watch. Thanks for listening. And watching. And now, this, this week's, week's episode. episode. That was actually rather in unison. Mm-hmm. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? (laughs) Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb and then smart again. I'm Helen Hong. And now, coming to you from the United Facts of America, a festival of fact-checking, and socially distancing from our homes across the country, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. Wonderful to see you again. Nice to see you. Thank you. It's so exciting to be here as part of this fact-checking festival. It's a festival that brings people together from politics and journalism, and those are both uh, interests that you and I both share. Uh, I've been politically active and sort of a news junkie, I think, since I was a kid. Where do you trace your involvement in politics and news? I was not a very politically active until uh, the 2016 election, and then I oh, got okay. extremely <laughs> politically and, active. And what happened there that made you get more involved? <laughs> It's it's kind of funny how when you see your life flashing before your eyes, you're like, oh, I better yeah. I better jump in here. I better jump in here. <laughs> so I've been very politically active, but I have been a news junkie for quite a while. Um, you know, I am on a, a regular panelist on an NPR show, and sure. so it's just an interest that I've had probably since college. Yeah, for me, uh, I think I've talked about this on a previous show when we had Bill Curtis from Wait Wait as as one of our guests. I told him that I remember staying up with my dad uh, to watch the ten o'clock news in Chicago, and uh, that was my bedtime. My bedtime was either 9.30 or 10.30 if I stayed up to watch the news. And so I stayed up to watch the news and, uh, and learned an awful <laughs> lot. And nowadays, my podcast feed, aside from comedy and trivia stuff, is filled with, I listen to all of the Sunday shows. I listen to PBS NewsHour every day. So it's kind of fun to see how that's evolved. I'm a little bit less in the weeds lately because just yeah. for sheer mental health reasons, I've had to step yeah, back yeah. a little. I've just been like, okay, I need, I'm grinding my teeth. I need to just... And to be clear, sometimes it's nice not to listen yeah. to the news too. <laughs> All right. Well, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who is up first. He is an Emmy Award winning journalist who is a senior correspondent for the PBS NewsHour, the anchor of PBS NewsHour Weekend, and host of the debunking show Take on Fake. It's Hari Shri. Hello, Hari. Hi, nice to be here. Great to have you, especially we're recording this as part of the fact-checking festival called the United Facts of America, and you do a debunking show teaching people how to be better fact-checkers. Yeah, I mean, I I think that, you know, we have to improve our media literacy, our ability to consume information better, and we should all know how to be able to tell what's true from what's not. Well, you do this through a series of videos. It's on YouTube. And uh, one of the theories of your uh, show is that fact-checking isn't just for professional journalists. Tell us what you mean by that. I think what we have to do is help people understand how to ask the basic questions when they see something online. Like, who wrote this? Mm. Where did it come from? 
Do they have an ax to grind? Kind of basic stuff that is actually not very difficult to find most of the time. So when you see things though, that are just designed to get your blood boiling about something, you just have to sort of take a step back and say, wait, why did that just happen to me? And who's sort of profiting from that? Right. Um, before you write back something and say, oh, I really want to yell at this person. Hold on, you're, 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 you're kind of a pawn in somebody else's game. And the faster we can understand that, the better we can be at just kind of taking a breath. Well, I was talking to Helen earlier about how I used to watch news with my dad as a kid. And uh, you also watch news with your parents, but you had an added responsibility, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Way back in the day uh, when we were new immigrants to the, the country, I, I was watching Peter Jennings. And I was basically translating the news from my parents because I was in, I think, second or third grade. And so my English was better than theirs. And so I would kind of synthesize things and try to do things. And then when I actually met Peter Jennings for the first time during kind of a job interview, I told him that. And he was sort of like, well, I, you do realize I'm Canadian. Like, you're, <laughs> I was like, you're right. <laughs> my ideal of American English and American anchor was this Canadian guy. I had the same experience, only instead of translating the news to my parents, I translated daytime soap operas to go <laughs> my grandmother, which maybe explains a lot of how we ended up where we ended up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Their, their first English phrase was faking your own death. Yeah. <laughs> Harry, of course, the, the PBS NewsHour is so wonderful. I'm an avid viewer and listener through their podcast. Uh, I was actually a little surprised to learn that the weekend edition that you host is a relatively new addition to the long uh, history of the NewsHour. Yeah. I mean, the NewsHour has been around for 40 plus, 45 plus years, uh, probably actually 47, 48. And, and so seven or eight of those years have uh, included the weekend, which I've been uh, hosting from here in New York. And we're kind of increasingly in this like 24 seven news cycle. Well, the seven is pretty important. So there is still a place for uh, kind of evening broadcasts. I think it's a specific kind of audience that caters to that. But the way that I kind of think about it, I mean, I personally am not of the right demographic to be sitting in front of a television at six o'clock at night. I mm -hmm. get that. Most of all of our pieces are also broken up into chunks and sent out on the internet. And so people are informed where they are, when they are. But I think that as the amount of noise increases, the value of your filter also increases. Mm -hmm. So when things get super overwhelming, you start to look for things that help you make sense of the world. So I think that's why people would, you know, look to News Not Noise with Jessica or a look to PBS or a look elsewhere and say, okay, you know what? Help me. Just go ahead. Read all the newspapers for me. Tell me what's <laughs> real. Yeah. What I like about it is that uh, you don't see a lot of yelling on the PBS NewsHour. It's, <laughs> and and uh, you don't necessarily know what the journalists' uh, political leanings are. You know, they, they, It really is just old school journalism as far as reporting the facts. I think one of the few remaining places that you can find civil disagreement on television. Yeah. I mean, we've made an art form about you know disagreeing agreeably about matters yeah. that matter night after night. I think it's also we respect the intelligence of our audience that yeah. we basically say like, you know what, we're just going to give you the information. We're not trying to convince you to become a Democrat or a Republican. And we kind of feel like you should make up your own mind. And it's, it's not that complicated. Do you because it's a weekend program, do you often or, or occasionally put in like a fun weekend story? And then how do you <laughs> feel about that? Like, does your demeanor change when you're like, and now for a fun story? Yeah. Well, yeah, there's always a water skiing squirrel at the end. <laughs> I live for the yeah. water. I'm there for the water yeah. skiing squirrel. Oh, and everybody loves Hari's hardcore reports on, you know, what are you wearing on the red carpet? That's uh, that's yeah. what we live for. <laughs> you know, sometimes we have something that's a little, a little especially through the pandemic. It's yeah. been really difficult, right? I mean, we just 
weekend after weekend after day after day. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting in my bedroom right now. I mean, yeah. this is not ideal by any yeah. stretch. So yeah. we, we try to lighten it up a little bit, but you know, sometimes like the news kind of overruns everything and we say, okay, we can just go ahead and hold that for another weekend because we really need to get this piece of information across. Yeah. Well, uh, you said that uh, you respect your audience. I am that audience. I feel very respected and feel respected and honored that you joined us here today. Hari Srinivasan. Thank you. All right, Helen, against whom will Hari be competing? She is an award-winning political journalist who was chief White House correspondent for CNN, author of the novel Savage News, and is the founder and anchor for News Not Noise, which you can find on Instagram at Jessica Yellen. It's Jessica Yellen. Hello, Jessica Yellen. Hi. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. What people can see at Jessica Yellen is the result of this wonderful project that you've started called News Not Noise. What I love about News Not Noise, you, you say that we give you information, not a panic attack. And boy, do I appreciate that as, as a viewer. Uh, how do you distinguish between news and noise? So I think that a lot of what you get from television news nowadays, not PBS, is partisanship. There's a lot of focus on conflict. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to re-engineer, how do we reach these people who are either news shy or just turned off by the outrage? And can you tell important information in clear ways that leaves people feeling calm? And I'm going to use the cheesy L.A. word, empowered, because I live in L.A. and I can talk about being empowered. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what information can do for you. Later on, we'll talk about being spiritual. Um, <laughs> Good. Well, what's so great about this is that uh, you were on Instagram to give news to people who maybe don't get the best news from that platform usually. Uh, what appealed to you about doing your news show on Instagram? You know, I set out to reach an audience that wasn't getting news or that was, as you're saying, turned off mm -hmm. by the formats. I had actually been pitching this idea like, what if we do calm news all over Hollywood and to producers and people all over who are like, Oh, girl, no. Like, sorry, honey, that's just not a thing. Yeah. And I was told so many things like, in the future, news will only come from comedians. Whoa. And some of my friends said, pick up your phone and talk to your phone. And now it's taken off. It organically grew. I have almost 500,000 followers. Mm. And there's like a community that wants information without a panic attack. Oh, my gosh. As a female, young, like, Instagram addict... Snaps to you, honey. Snaps. <laughs> because I am like, give me the news while I'm scrolling past puppy right. videos. Hello. <laughs> yes. And also, Helen, as a comedian, I'm sure you can agree we do not want to count on you to give us news. No. No. If you guys <laughs> are counting crazy? on me to give you the news, oh, you're screwed, baby. Yeah. Well, in addition, of course, to being the anchor of this, you mentioned you're the founder. You actually get to call the shots. You actually get some pretty crazy network notes when you're a correspondent. Can you tell us about a couple of those memorable ones? I had a building problem, which meant that I didn't look authoritative in front of buildings. Um, <laughs> what? Which I... What does that even mean? My analysis of this is that I'm a physically petite person. I'm 5'1". <gasps> Same! And so in real life, when people meet me and they've only seen me on TV, they're like, oh my God, you're tiny. I thought you were 5'11". This is why I became an actress. <laughs> because they can't tell. But I think that male management in general in their head saw me as 5'1", and I was too petite to be taken serious. That was one analysis. Oh. I looked like... I've also been told I had a too... My voice was too feminine. Oh. Um, or female, too female, too female. And then there were endless notes about my hair. <laughs> the biggest problem with my hair at the White House was that my hair 
blew in the wind. Mm. And this was almost criminal. Like, <laughs> so my entire TV career was shaped by people's perceptions of what my hair should look like wow. in my experience. Wow. Much of it was. I should have meant that. Much of it was. Much of it. This is so enraging because it, like just putting putting a man in that situation in any any of the examples that you just gave, it's like it would never happen in a million. Right, Hari? Like no one has ever been like, Hari, you have a size problem in your hair. Dude, we got to do something about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've owned a comb. <laughs> it is really, really sad to see. And I've had several of my peers in television tell me about some of the feedback they've received from executives, and it's just been like, well, I'm ten pounds overweight. Nobody ever told me that. Um, mm-hmm. Or you know, I mean, it's just that to make you feel small in that way. I mean, mm-hmm. it really goes back to like, well, what's what's wrong with that person? Not like, cool. What, not cool, guys. Yeah. And and yeah. Hari, you in front of a building. We'll we'll have to talk about that off the air. <laughs> Uh, Jessica, as a chief White House correspondent, uh, I was reading that uh, when you were first given that assignment, you said this is a dream assignment. It, you've now had some years since then. Uh, was it a, the dream assignment? Did it end up being dreamlike for you? To be at the White House? Yeah, yeah that was a dream come true. Yeah. I got into the news business to become White House correspondent. <gasps> My first gig out of college was an intern in the Clinton White House, and I resolved Watching how influential the news was then, I resolved to become a White House correspondent because I saw how much power they had. (gasps) So getting that gig for me was like, okay, this is it. Um, You manifested it. Yes. I also crushed my life for 13 years, Uh, right? And like, (laughs) so both. Yeah. And um, You also worked hard and were good, had talent and skills. I imagine that's a part of the spiritual journey as well. And I have to say, like, doing it at CNN was amazing because it's, like, this international powerhouse. Mm -hmm. And you just feel like this really matters. Every day it really matters. Well, when you you left that gig, you wrote a book. And it was not a memoir. It was a novel called Savage News. Uh, Did you write a novel because you felt maybe you could say some things about fictional people that you couldn't say about real people? Yes, okay. partly that. And also, I felt like a novel would be a better way to let people who aren't into the new, in the news business into the shoes of a reporter mm. so that they'd have the experience themselves. And I really, really, really wanted to do comedy because my critique of a lot of the way journalism is represented in Hollywood and fiction is extreme with extreme seriousness, mm. such sincerity. And journalism is incredibly serious pursuit. One of the like things that makes it survivable because we deal with so much grim stuff all the time is like the comedy of errors that goes on behind the scenes and just like how you have to laugh at it and the gallows humor and the camaraderie. I love it. I bet when your novel came out, everyone was like, yeah, she wrote a novel. Wink, 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 (laughs) wink. It was, yeah. Mm. It was a little, like, I got a lot of interviews, like, who's who and who, what's what. Yeah. So I did the whole, oh, no, 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 everyone's a composite. It's all fiction. Yes. Any similarities accidentally. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But really. <laughs> but really, it was Ted Koppel all along. No. I also got people who were convinced X and so was them. And I'm like, honestly, you didn't occur to me in the process. <laughs> Don't no. flatter yourself. But I couldn't say that. I couldn't say it. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you can say it now. And I'm glad you can say all the things you're going to say on this show. Thank you for joining us, Jessica Yellen. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. All right. Hari and Jessica, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Hari, you told us that you know a lot about TV shows about Mars, current events on Mars, and baking chocolate chip cookies. Perhaps on Mars. We'll find out later. Whereas Jessica, (laughs) you told us you know a lot about David Bowie, the TV show Dynasty, and how to do makeup in the car. Later on, we'll ask... (laughs) 
<laughs> Later on, we'll ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, appropriately, just the facts. First up is Hari. Hari, your question comes from a listener. In fact, it's from many listeners. Helen, what's that about? Jay Keith, this is one of the most suggested what's the differences we have ever had. So it's from several different people. Jonathan Feinberg of Berkeley, California, Joshua Chalk of Cottam, Ontario, Canada, and Sally McMaster and Sarah Abarbanel of Perth, Australia. Listeners, if you would like to submit a suggestion for our what's the difference round, go to gofactorpod.com and click on get involved. Thank you, Helen. And thank you, all of those people from all over the world. All right, Hari, in the topic of just the facts, they both are things you shouldn't do if you want to get the facts. But what is the difference between assume and presume? Assume and presume. Ooh. Indeed. Wow. Taking it back to like fourth grade. Um. <laughs> you, had a very, you had a very advanced fourth grade education. I think I was still building, <laughs> building things with blocks. Um, I, think, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a phrase that says... Uh, Assume makes an ass out of you and me. I've um, heard that. Yeah. So let's say assume could be something that doesn't yet exist and okay. presume could be something that does. How about that? How about that indeed? Well, we'll find out. We've got Hari's answer. We don't know yet if he is correct. Jessica, if you don't think he's got it exactly right, you can steal. What do you think? I Maybe assume means you make a conclusion without any facts or evidence and presume means you jump to some conclusions with limited facts or evidence. Limited facts or evidence. All right. Well, I presume our listeners are ready for this segment to end. So let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table (gasps) for the facts. Here are the facts. Assume means that you are supposing that something is true based on little or no evidence. Presume means that you are supposing that something is true based on some more significant evidence. For example, I might assume that J. Keith likes hockey based on virtually no information other than he's a white dude. (laughs) I would presume that he's going to an Angels baseball game because he said he's going to Anaheim and he's wearing an Angels hat and jersey and he's a white dude. I can't help it. I am. That's right. That's why you will often hear about a false assumption, but really a false presumption. And of course, Hari, when you presume, you make a prez out of you and me. (laughs) Helen, how did they do in that? You know, Hari, you were... You were like you were in the ballpark because you did say assume is based on something that doesn't yet exist and presume already does exist. Uh, Jessica, you were just a little bit more on point with your language. You know, I would like to give each of you one point. Yeah, we'll take it. All right, very good. One point for each. Win win. Win win indeed. Or tie. All right, up next, (laughs) Jessica. Jessica, your question in the topic of just the facts. They both might be based on the facts of a case, but in a court of law, what's the difference between proof and evidence? Proof and evidence. Proof is conclusive. Okay. Evidence is leading, and from evidence, one can make a deduction Mm -hmm. of a fact, but proof is conclusive about the fact. Proof is conclusive about the fact, whereas evidence is Who knows what's happening there? Evidence can lead you to the conclusion. Evidence can lead you to the conclusion, which is ultimately the proof. Yes. Okay, great. We've got Jessica's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. Hari, what do you think? I think think she's spot on with the proof is conclusive. Mm -hmm. I think the evidence is, um, 
I'd say maybe tentative. It's kind of a weird word, but mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it can help you determine the fact, but a proof is of a fact. So I don't really disagree that much with her. But perhaps enough to get another tie. We'll see. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's time for this segment to adjourn. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judge's table <laughs> for the facts. Here are the facts. Proof in court is anything that convinces a juror or a judge that something is true or false. That proof is made up of various pieces of evidence, which can be physical, like a bloody glove, or spoken, like eyewitness testimony. That's right. And now just because something is proven legally doesn't mean it's correct, like a person who was proven guilty but later exonerated, or when the judge said that I still had to pay that parking ticket even though I'm pretty sure I put money in the meter. And in no way is that a false equivalency. Helen, how did our guest do? I don't think either one of you got this one correct. Oh, really? interesting. Uh, yeah, we might have a little bit of disagreement. You guys both said proof is conclusive and of a fact. Mm. Yeah. But um, Je- in the court of law. Right. But Jessica did say that proof is made up of evidence. So again, that it's up to you, true. Helen. But I think evidence. maybe... Yeah. And then, but then you said evidence is more tentative and leading to proof. Mm, actually, leading to proof could be correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Again, you guys were sort of in the ballpark, but not spot on. So, again, I will give you each one point. <laughs> one point each. All right. <laughs> work to the reps. Yes, you, yeah. you've done it successfully. Yeah. I, I, can see by, I can see why you're both excellent journalists. You go for the follow-up <laughs> question. <laughs> don't, you both don't convince let... me with your with your dismay at my yes. initial findings. Yes, you used evidence to prove your point. Very well right. done. <laughs> Which may or may not be true. May or may not be. <laughs> Helen, what is our score at the end of this round? Well, so far it's a tie at the end of this round. Hari Srinivasan has two points and Jessica Yellen has two points. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. One, two, one, two, three, five. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. We're both doctors and... Nope, just me. Okay, well, Sydney's a doctor and I'm a medical enthusiast and we create Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Every week I dig through the annals of medical history to bring you the wildest, grossest, sometimes dumbest tales of ways we've tried to treat people throughout history. And lately we do a lot of modern fake medicine. Because everything's a disaster, but it's slightly less of a disaster every Friday, right here on MaximumFun.org, as we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. And remember, don't drill a hole in your head. And now, a word from our sponsor. Lifespan Fitness is dedicated to making fitness accessible and affordable. They believe that your office should help you work and feel better with under-desk treadmills and exercise bikes. Under desk? Does that mean it goes under the desk, Helen? That's exactly right. It goes under your desk. So you never even have to leave your office. A lot of us are working at home from our home offices and a little bit scared to go back to the gym still. And Lifespan Fitness is fantastic. The treadmill and bike desks help you make the most of your workspace, whether you're starting your fitness journey or wanting to stay more active at work. And they really are a lot more sensible than the over-desk treadmills and exercise bikes. (laughs) Hey, you know, treadmill desks can seem like they might be dangerous or even hard to use, but most work will become second nature within a week or two because typically people walk between a half and two miles per hour. Think of how many miles you can log while you work at your desk. And if you already have a standing desk or a desk you love, you can easily add on an under-desk bike or treadmill. And if you need a complete setup, Lifespan also sells the desk-slash-equipment in a combo. 
Oh, no, Helen, you have been very lucky to be able to sample the Lifespan Fitness under desk treadmill. What's it been like for you? I have. It's been super clutch because, as you know, Jay Keith, not only is the pandemic still sort of happening in the world, but also I have a brand new baby in my house. Ooh, so yay. I can't just zip out to do my regular exercise routine. I'm sort of trapped at home making sure the baby doesn't die. And so I can <laughs> I can actually be on my laptop at my desk and That's right. and like treadmilling while the exactly. baby sleeps like in you the know, bassinet like right now next to the desk. Yeah, no, you know what? People if you if you want your babies to die, go ahead and use a different brand of treadmill <laughs> or uh, <laughs> or bicycle. But if you want to save your babies <laughs> and get in shape easily and conveniently, consider Lifespan Fitness. Oh, we've we've got a discount code. Helen. <laughs> Visit lifespanfitness.com and use code GFY5 at checkout for 5% off. That's lifespanfitness.com and code GFY5. Take care of your babies. Take care of yourself with Lifespan <laughs> Fitness. Don't endanger the children. Treadmill no. at home. <laughs> and that just leaves us to say... Thank you, Lifespan Fitness. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Hari Srinivasan and Jessica Yellen. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Hari, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about TV shows about Mars, current events on Mars, and baking chocolate chip cookies. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why you chose TV shows about Mars for one of your topics. We've had like a lot in the last few years of sci-fi shows that have to do with Mars. So maybe it was like the Netflix algorithm or something. It just kind of kept (laughs) delivering more to me. I was going to say, this is also my jam as well. And there's a lot of them. So when you mentioned TV shows about Mars, I was like, there's quite a few actually. Yeah. Well, Hari, what are some of the ones that you've enjoyed? There was The Expanse that had a Mars story line in it on Amazon. There was one called Mars that National Geographic did. That was really a a head spinner for me because it was part documentary and part drama. And so I was like, how is this even going to work? And the next thing I know, sometimes I'm watching for the drama. Sometimes I'm watching for the documentary. I'm like, this is fantastic. I learned something and I was mildly entertained. Excellent. (laughs) educational and mildly entertaining, also the theme of this show. (laughs) You also, Hari, said that you know a lot about current events on Mars. Tell us about your love of that. Look, I think it's fantastic and amazing that we are literally controlling a helicopter on a different planet. Mm. I mean, that's just stunning that technology has gotten to a place where we take for granted that we are getting pictures from (laughs) another planet. I mean, this is a Amazing feat of human accomplishment that we've been able to do this. Excellent. Well, speaking of amazing feats of human accomplishment, you also said that you know a lot about baking chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) Yeah, this has been a pandemic discovery. (laughs) Actually, I'm not not alone. Uh, I think thousands of other people have taken on baking. Um, Yeah, I literally have a a Google photo album called Rage Baking. And it's just... (laughs) (laughs) It has been my my event, my release on all of the things that you cannot control during a pandemic. Is that the secret Uh, extra ingredient that you add in your cookies, Rage? Yeah, really. It's true because what I discovered about baking for me was just like, 
follow the instructions and the world turns out like it's supposed to. Mm. <sighs> oh, that's so satisfying to hear. I appreciate that your rage-baking pandemic uh, hobby turned to chocolate chips and not sourdough, which I oh. like, I guess was the big thing for everyone. And I was mm-hmm. like, why sourdough? I live in Queens. Sourdough is very Williamsburg, Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Hari, to summarize, you said you know a lot about TV shows about Mars, current events on Mars, and baking chocolate chip cookies. Today, we want to quiz you about about current events on Mars. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. I think you're going to do well. Uh, how long have you kept current? Is this a long-standing interest of yours? Really, it was a TV show. So it was okay. Uh, yeah, over the last few months, uh, prob- probably through the pandemic, I've yeah. been more interested in lots of things. Yeah. Have you gotten to report on Mars, or I should say, about I, Mars, not not on Mars? <laughs> looking forward to the first live shot from yeah. Mars. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, t- Jessica and I have probably stood in front of silly hurricanes telling you that it's raining. <laughs> and I, I, I can imagine there's going to be some reporter right. like, well, the winds are picking up here. <laughs> and, and some producer is going to be in their ear telling them about their hair or the building behind them yes. on Mars. Hilarious. All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in this topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Jessica, do listen closely because you can steal if Hari gets any of them wrong. Jessica, by the way, how much do you know about current events on Mars? Almost nothing. (laughs) All right. Hari, I think it's your game to lose. Let's see what happens. Hari, here's question number one. The biggest current event on Mars is the fact that people from our planet have some stuff up there right now. That stuff got there thanks to a research and development center managed for NASA by Caltech. They're known as JPL, which stands for what? Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. All right, here is question number two. Hari, the current mission to Mars landed there in February of 2021, but people might think it was a different year because the mission's name is slightly different. What is that mission's name? Ooh, I need a hint. All right, Helen, how about that first hint? The mission went to Mars and launched last year. Oh, it's it's Mars 2020 is the years that it took off, but 20, okay, I think this 2020. So the, the mission is called? Mars 2020. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Mars 2020. Very good. <laughs> Fun fact, as we record this, the mission to Mars has been on Mars for two months, 18 days, 21 hours, and exactly 31 minutes. You know, I'll give it to those people at JPL. They are just, they're on the nose, and I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, They tend not to round up or down when they're dealing with <laughs> visiting Mars, which I think is good. The yeah. mission's just called Mars 2020. Yeah, exactly. We don't, we don't need anything fancy. We're clear. We're yeah. clear. We get it. All right, Harry, you're two for two. Here's question number three. The U.S. isn't the only country interested in exploring Mars. Less than two weeks before our current mission made it there, what country successfully orbited a probe around Mars, becoming just the fifth country to reach the Red Planet? Uh, China? Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Jessica with a chance to steal. Russia? Helen? Also not correct. No, believe it or not, it was a Middle Eastern country, the United Arab Emirates. The United Arab Emirates got a probe up there. Uh, Fun fact, I am about six months older than the United Arab Emirates, and I have not gotten anywhere close to Mars. (laughs) All right, no point there. Let's see if you can bounce back with question number four. Hari, the current Mars mission has a rover that carries seven key pieces of hardware, most with unusual acronyms. But which of the following is not a real one? Is it Pixel, P-I-X-L, Sherlock, S-H-E-R-L-O-C, Moxie, standard spelling, Rimfax, standard spelling, or Redcam. 
Again, one of those we made up. Is it Pixel, Sherlock, Moxie, Rimfax, or Redcam? Uh, I'm going to go with Pixel. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. No point there. Jessica, you have a chance to steal. Moxie? Helen? Also not correct. No. <laughs> the rover's got Moxie, kid. Uh, believe it or not, Redcam. Redcam is the one we made. Oh, that was my second guess. Ah, uh, yes. It's sorry. We only give you one shot. Uh... Pixel stands for Planetary Instrument for X-ray Lithochemistry, or Lithochemistry more likely. Of course it does. Sherlock is scanning habitable environments with Raymond and luminescence for organics and chemicals. (laughs) Moxie stands for the Mars Oxygen In Situ Resource Ah. Utilization Experiment. Come on, Jessica. How did you not know that? I should have known that. And Rimfax (laughs) is the radar imager for Mars's subsurface experiment. Rimfax. And Redcam, I think, is a hip-hop artist. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> he's got sick beats. Hari, let's see if we can bounce back with number five. You do still have a hint available. Oh, okay. Hari, the current mission to Mars wouldn't have been possible without earlier ones. In what year did humans first successfully land a spacecraft on the surface of Mars as part of the Viking project? Oh, my God. You do have uh, a hint available. Yeah, I'll take the hint. Helen, how about that second hint? It was exactly seven years to the day since Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. Seven years to the day since 76. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. An excellent use of the hint. Very good. Well done. (laughs) Nicely done. Yes, and very nice uh, friendly uh, encouragement from your competitor here. Uh, Fun fact, Viking 1 reached orbit on June 19th of 76, landed on July 20th. Viking 2 reached orbit August 7th, landing on September 3rd. All right, Hari, you did quite well in that round, but now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Hari, the Mars 2020 mission sent the Perseverance rover to the planet. For up to three points, what is the name of the crater where Perseverance landed? What feature formed by a river in an ancient lake will it explore inside that crater? And what type of vehicle is the Ingenuity which launches from Perseverance? Okay, Ingenuity is a helicopter. Okay. Um, I want to say, like, it's a weird... It's a word that... um, the crater that it landed in, mm-hmm. I don't even know the language of origin, so I'll probably misspell it or mispronounce That's it, right. but it's like Jazero or Jazero, or I don't know how you say the J in that, but okay. it was something with zero. Okay. And what was the third question? Uh, the, the other question was, what feature formed by a river in an ancient lake will the Perseverance explore inside that crater? What feature formed yes. by a river? Yes. What's your favorite river feature? <laughs> An alluvial plain? I mean, I don't... Wow, you have a favorite river feature, and it's an alluvial plain. (laughs) Want to go with that? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. Well, Helen is taking note of all of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a research scientist at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory who's participated in many of the Mars projects, including currently as Deputy Project Scientist on the Mars 2020 rover mission. It's Dr. Katie Stack-Morgan. Hello, Dr. Katie Stack-Morgan. Hello, glad to be here. Glad to have you. Well, of course, uh, Hari's topic is current events on Mars. What's the latest? Can we can we have any breaking news on this podcast that will drop months later? <laughs> the Perseverance rover is doing great on the surface of Mars right now. As Hari mentioned, we've got a helicopter flying, the Ingenuity helicopter, 
and we recently extended its mission beyond the very short technology demonstration. And so it is continuing to explore the surface of Mars with the Perseverance rover, and we're really excited about it. That's so incredible. Congratulations. You're specialized in interest in Martian sedimentology stratigraphy. Am I saying that right? Yep, you got it. Okay. And geologic mapping of planetary surfaces. How did you get interested in those sorts of things? Well, I always loved astronomy and stars and planets. And so for a long time, I thought I wanted to be an astronomer. And then I went to college and I was like, man, stars are really far away. (laughs) And, you know, (laughs) what's a little bit closer and a little more familiar are our planets and Mars in particular. We think Mars once was very Earth-like. And so I think it's really neat that you can go outside and as you're driving along the highway, and you're looking at a road cut, you might be looking at the same kind of rocks that we have on Mars and the potential that Mars might once have hosted ancient life. I mean, you can't get any better than that. Wow. I just love that you said (laughs) stars, they're really far. See, Jet Propulsion Laboratory scientists, they're just like us. That's right. They're just like us. It's a great message for why you should go to college because it wasn't until then that you realized (laughs) that stars were far away. It's true. Um, (laughs) One of the missions of Mars 2020 is to better understand the habitability of ancient Mars. What's your best guess so far? Where's the evidence pointing or is it too soon to make a guess? Yeah, so every single mission that we have sent to Mars has discovered that ancient Mars was once habitable, so capable Mm -hmm. of supporting at least microbial life. Mm -hmm. But we have yet to definitively observe or detect any signs of life, ancient or otherwise. And so we're looking to really answer that question. And we think Mars is one of the places, perhaps the best place in the solar system to look for signs of ancient life. And so we'd really like to figure out whether life Mm. once existed beyond Earth and did it exist on Mars. That's literally the plot of every Mars movie and TV show, (laughs) is that there is life on Mars and it's scary. Yeah. And it's coming for you. Do you watch any of the Mars TV shows, like the fictional ones and the and the movies? And what do you think of them? I have seen The Martian. I read the book. I, I saw the movie. And I'm in L.A. And one of the perks is you get to go see movies sometimes before they came out. So I got to go to the Arclight Theater and I watched The Martian when all of the rocket uh, fuel jet things were all just triangles, little floating triangles. <laughs> and oh! there were lots of plants in every scene. So that was really fun. And so the entire theater cleared out and I was there writing very meticulous notes. Mm. Um, <laughs> so cool. But but I, I love oh. The Martian. I've seen a couple other sci-fi movies. I haven't so much watched the, the shows about going to Mars, but got some good suggestions from Hari earlier in the episode. Oh, good. We all learn from each other. That's great. Mars 2020 is going to be the first mission that's actually going to get samples from Mars to bring back to Earth. Earth. What's been the most exciting part so far of the mission? I'm thinking maybe the launch, the landing, or is it something else? Well, the landing was incredibly exciting and also very anxiety-inducing for me and mm. the other scientists and engineers and probably anyone who watched it. I mean, there's so much tension, and I I didn't really realize how much tension I had in me until after we found out we'd successfully landed, and then I just burst into tears. <laughs> and, and I'm oh. not really someone who cries, but, you know, my family was with me, and They were hugging me, and I was just like, oh, man, I have a job still. (laughs) Um, So, So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great great accomplishment for humankind, but really, it's about Katie going to get a job. Yes. (laughs) And this is our first opportunity to see what this place looks like on the ground. So every new image we get is just so exciting to do that checking of, you know, our hypotheses and what we thought this area was like Mm. versus what it is on the ground. And so every day it's a new puzzle for us to figure out. And how long is it going to actually take to get those samples from Mars for for you to investigate up close? 
Yeah, so the first opportunity for the next mission that would go to Mars to pick up the samples that Perseverance collects is probably no earlier than about 2028. Uh, and then there's a series of missions that need to happen to get those samples from Mars back to Earth in kind of a hot potato way. So it could be 2030 before we get the samples back. But wow. that's why it's so great when we have the chance to talk to young kids about what what the mission does, because those are the scientists. They are going to be the scientists who study these samples when they come back. So mm. we're really trying to get the next generation of Mars scientists excited about what this mission is doing today. As someone who watches all of the sci-fi movies and TV shows about Mars, most of them involve things coming back here and then ruining our lives on Earth. So, like, how? what precautions do you take when the samples come back that they don't spring to life and murder all of us here on Earth? Yes. So there are... <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, yes is your answer to that? <laughs> well, this is something that people, that, that NASA has thought about. And, and oh, good. a lot okay. of thought went into this. It wouldn't be responsible for us to explore another planet and bring samples back without thinking of it. Mm -hmm. But I'll say, if there was actually life living in those samples right now, that would be incredibly exciting. And chances are it's very small. <laughs> and so I think, you know, with the kind of containment facilities that we have here on Earth, I'm really not too concerned about the worst case scenario. Which is them unfolding into a giant mm -hmm. organism that then attaches to your face and lays eggs inside you. <laughs> yes. Well, listeners, you heard it here, either very reassuring words or famous last words from Dr. <laughs> Dr. Katie Stack Morgan. Let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked of Hari Srinivasan. First, we wanted to know what was the name of the crater where Perseverance landed. Helen, what did Hari say? Hari said Jezero or Jezero. Or Hezero or something like that. Was he close? Yes. I'm going to give Hari one full point for that one. We pronounce it Jezero, but I've heard that folks in the Bosnia-Herzegovina area say Jezero. You had the right letters and... A phonetic pronunciation that I think would pass. <laughs> Excellent. And oh, by wow. the way, uh, for those uh, watching on video here, is that a map of the crater behind you? Yes. Oh, over here. Um, yeah. My my colleague and I uh, worked to map uh, Jezero Crater, and, and we recently published a map. And so that's it's, it's very big, so I, I need yeah. something to fill the wall space. That's just not a map. That's your map. That's right. Yep. That's very, very cool. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Let's get to the next question that we asked of Hari. We wanted to know what feature formed by a river in an ancient lake will it explore inside that crater? Helen, what did Hari say? Hari said alluvial plain. And doctor? You know, I'm going to give Hari 0.25 for this. Wow. <laughs> the rare quarter points. I think that might be a first on this show. Tell us because why. the feature that I think we were trying to get you to identify is a delta. However, while we do think that there is evidence, which we now know what that means, evidence for a delta <laughs> being in Jezero, there is a possibility that there are alluvial fan deposits on top of the delta or as part of that delta. So I think we just don't know yet, and, and we okay. won't know until the rover gets there. So I'm going to give you... you... Know, I, I didn't want to give you the obvious answer. <laughs> yes, of, of course, Hari. Why? <laughs> By the way, I think just... A, I, would, I would give you another quarter point just for having a favorite <laughs> river feature, uh, feature and having it include the word alluvial. Exactly. 
Yeah. I would like to, as the scorekeeper, bump you up to half a point. Wow. Once you said alluvial plane, I was like, that's my next band name or porn name or something. <laughs> All right. Very I, good. I Ari. 100% support that. We'll go with the point .5. Okay. Good. Excellent. Bump you up to a full half point. All right. And finally, we wanted to know what type of vehicle is the ingenuity which launches from Perseverance? Helen, what did Hari say? Hari said helicopter. And doctor? Yes, he is correct on that one. And he even said it before you asked the question. <laughs> That's right. Very good. All right. Wow, it's so wonderful to speak with you. Before we let you go, Hari, is there anything you'd like to say or ask of our expert while we have her here? Oh, like 400 things. But uh, one, what is the Uber estimate on getting rocks back from Mars? That would be really expensive. Two, honestly, the, the windstorms. I wonder, like, these are powered by solar panels. And I'm sure people have thought about this for a long time, but if you can give me some idea of What's your plan if a bunch of dust covers up the panels? Like you have like a windshield wiper that scrapes the stuff off or it tilts and knocks the dust down. How do you, how, what's your plan B? Actually, sad story. The Opportunity Rover met its demise in 2018 because it was a solar po- solar panel powered Rover. And during the big dust storm we had in 2018, those dust panels got covered completely and and it couldn't wake up again. Fortunately, the Curiosity Rover and the Perseverance Rover are actually nuclear powered. And so Whoa. they, yes, so they do not rely on solar panels. But for missions that do rely on solar panels, we don't have windshield wipers, but we do have dust devils on Mars, which are basically little vortices of wind that go over the rovers sometimes. And so they successfully clear off dust on their own. So we haven't needed to bring uh, windshield wipers with us because the Mars environment seems to clear off dust for us. Like, no worries. I got you with this vortex. No problem. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yes. Sorry, you'll have to save your Mars rover windshield wiper pitch for Shark Tank. Uh, That's right. (laughs) Katie, it was so wonderful that you were able to join us. If people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they do that? Yes, I'm on Twitter at KStackMorgan, but I'm pretty scarce on social media. But if you'd like to follow along with the Perseverance rover, um, you can follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at NASA Persevere and also nasa.gov slash Mars 2020 for the latest updates on the rover. And I also just wanted to award Hari an honorary JPL badge uh, because he got the JPL question right and he knew a lot about Mars and a lot about Mars 2020. So props to him for that and honorary badge there. Thank you. So cool. So cool indeed. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. It's Dr. Katie Stack Morgan. Woo! Thanks for having me. Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Hari Srinivasan has seven and a half points, and Jessica Yellen has two points with a round of questions for Jessica coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Jessica about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, Hari and Jessica will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we're the hosts of One Bad Mother, a podcast about parenting. Parenting is hard, and we have no advice, but we do see you doing it. Honk if you like to do it. (laughs) Didn't we have a bumper sticker a while back that was like, honk if you did it? That's what it was. I think it was honk if you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Why did we not ever make this? We did make them. I think they're still in the Max Fun store. (laughs) Honk, honk. You're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Biz. So are you. Each week, we'll be here to remind you that you're doing a good job. You can find us on MaximumFun.org. Hong Kong. Toot toot.
And now a word from our other sponsor. Helen, I'm going to let you in on my personal communications from my phone. This is a real text message that I received from my girlfriend uh, recently. Okay. You can see it says here, honey, I miss magic spoon. (laughs) This was an unsolicited text. It's not, honey, I miss you. No, no, no. She... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it is not. In fact, I'm scrolling. I'm not seeing any of those. And I was just out of town for a week. No, this is an unsolicited message uh, that she sent me saying, uh, I miss, honey, I miss Magic Spoon. And I replied, me too, baby. And then I replied, coupon code GoFact. Because that's the kind of hot, steamy text wow. that my girlfriend and I have. You know, trying to eat better can feel like a drag, but healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring. That's why I love Magic Spoon, because Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors that you love and that my girlfriend loves, but without all the bad stuff. Helen, tell them about that good, good stuff. Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, 140 calories, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free... GMO-free, pain-free, all the frees that are good. All the frees. <laughs> and you can build your own box or get a variety pack with available flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, and cinnamon. Oh, I love it so much. I, I think my favorite maybe right now is the peanut butter because it goes great with uh, regular milk. It goes great with almond milk if you want to get those carbs even lower. And it goes great in your hand right out of the box. I am not ashamed to admit it. <laughs> Helen, what can people do if they want to get Magic Spoon at a special discount and support our show? Go to magicspoon.com slash gofact to grab your delicious cereal and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code GOFACT at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash gofact and use the code GOFACT to save $5 off. Take your texting to the next level with Magic Spoon. (laughs) Thank you, Magic Spoon. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests Hari Srinivasan and Jessica Yellen. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Jessica, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about David Bowie, the TV show Dynasty, and how to do makeup in the car. (laughs) I thought some of those Daria might have had as well, but no, they were all you. Uh, Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. Tell us why you chose David Bowie as a topic of interest. I was obsessed with Bowie when I was a kid, and I remember when I had my first essay assignment in fifth (gasps) grade, they said you could write an essay on anything on earth, and I wrote an essay on David Bowie. Wow. He's just so creative and like multi talented. He's sort of a Renaissance man. He's known for his music, but his gifts were many. Very cool. Uh, We actually did a segment on uh, David Bowie on a previous episode with Oscar Nunez from The Office. We'll see if it comes up again today. Next, Jessica, you said you know a lot about the TV show Dynasty. I know. I was so embarrassed to admit this. I should have gone with Bionic Woman because I also loved the Bionic Woman. The thing they have in common is these were shows in which women had some form of power, participation, and agency. And unfortunately, you really saw that represented in these oversized dramas Mm -hmm. like Dallas and Dynasty, which had messed up values maybe. But there was power Mm. in being female there. Yeah. And then finally, you said you know a lot about how to do makeup in the car. (laughs) 
You know, after years of being on CNN, you come up with like a lot of skills that are life skills I didn't always appreciate. And so I can't tell you how many makeup in the car days there are. Mm -hmm. When you're in Iowa covering a presidential and you wake up at 3 a.m. and you have to drive an hour and a half, you don't want to have to put wet eyeliner on your eyelid at 3. So you do it in the hour and a half car ride with like the two camera folks in the back and like your producer and (laughs) wow, I can do hair and makeup on the road anywhere. Wow. All right. So to summarize, Jessica, you said you know a lot about David Bowie, the TV show Dynasty and how to do makeup in the car. Today, we're going to quiz you about the TV show Dynasty. Okay. I hope I know things. (laughs) I think you will. Uh, Before we get to the quiz, tell us about what were some of your favorite moments from Dynasty that you remember enjoying? I just remember the um, drama of that family. And there was a daughter named Fallon who was always petulant and moody, but she really had um, throw weight. And I kind of <laughs> loved her. And she had this romance with this guy, John James, I was obsessed with. And I just thought they were the bomb. Yeah. I love what you said about the women having agency and sort of being role models in that way. Like I probably in the in the 80s at that time, like there wasn't a lot of strong female figures that were really like kicking butt out there. No, on TV. it was like Wonder Woman, the bionic woman. There mm-hmm. were some women like in Scooby-Doo, those women would investigate things. <laughs> I'm not sure. kidding, like in Crime dramas, you'd find it. And it's a weird thing to say that there were role models in Dynasty because they had like everything was centered around sex and power through money and they were cheating each other. But they did have like the ability to realize their dreams in some ways, right? Yeah. Well, it's great that you could you could pull that out of something that maybe <laughs> had different messages right. for other people. I yeah. think that's really cool. There's been a recent reboot of Dynasty. Uh, have you been participating in viewing that? I have not watched it. I feel like okay. do not mess with art. <laughs> All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with an expert level question for three points. But before that, we want to let you show your love. So here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. Again, you get two hints for these five questions. Now, Hari Srinivasan, do listen closely, because if Jessica answers incorrectly, you can steal. Hari, by the way, how much do you know about the TV show Dynasty? <laughs> Hari, is, Hari is, pointing, is putting up a big goose egg zero with his hand to the camera. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think... No, you were, you were was, more of a Dallas kind of a guy? <laughs> I was a correspondent in Dallas, and I was expected to know uh, some Dynasty trivia, but I yeah. think maybe Heather Locklear is the only thing that... Sammy Joe. Yeah. Well, let's see if Jessica gives you a chance to jump in here. Jessica Yellen, here's your first question about Dynasty. And by the way, we will be treated Dynasty with the same seriousness as we treated the mission to Mars. <laughs> Jessica, Dynasty was created by Richard and Esther Shapiro and is famous for being produced by what TV legend who also produced Charlie's Angels, The Love Boat, and Beverly Hills 90210? Aaron Spelling. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. You did not need the hint, but Helen, what would that first hint have been? A A. R-O-N. <laughs> no. Huh? Get it? Huh? Get She's it? spelling Aaron. Aaron spelling. <laughs> Fun fact, we actually did an entire segment on 90210 on episode 68 of mm-hmm. Go Fact Yourself. Jessica, here's question number two. Dynasty was a nighttime soap created to compete with another nighttime soap, Dallas. Dallas had a rich family named the Ewings. Dynasty had a rich family named the Carringtons. The Ewings from Dallas made their fortune off of oil. With what commodity did the Carringtons from Dynasty make their fortune? Oil. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. We couldn't fool you on that one. <laughs> I think they were going to call it oil. Yeah. Fun fact. Exactly. You you, you took my fun fact. Uh, before becoming Dynasty, the original title of the show was Oil. Oh, terrible title. Terrible title. Dynasty would... way better. Dynasty yeah. is a fantastic title. <laughs> Nobody would have been like, I need to go watch Oil. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, here's question number three. You were two for two. Dynasty didn't just have a great cast. It also had great guest stars. But which of the following people did not make an appearance on Dynasty? Was it Charlton Heston, Elizabeth Taylor, Billy D. Williams, Gerald Ford, or Henry Kissinger? Oh, my God. Gerald Ford. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Gerald Ford did appear. Hari, that gives you a chance to steal. Henry Kissinger? Helen? That is also not correct. No. (laughs) No. Henry Kissinger was on Dynasty? Yes. Yes, President Ford and Henry Kissinger appeared on the same episode along with Betty Ford. Elizabeth Taylor, believe it or not, never appeared on the show. No. By the way, President Ford, Henry Kissinger, and Betty Ford, they were all paid scale, which at the time was $330. (laughs) All right. (laughs) No point there for either of you. Let's see if you can bounce back, Jessica, with question number four. You can't think of Dynasty without thinking of those amazing big shouldered dresses. One man was the visionary of that Dynasty style, designing some 3,000 outfits and winning a 1984 Emmy for the show. Who was he? I need a hint. Helen, how about that first hint? His first name is the last name of the director of the Dark Knight movies, and his last name is someone who grinds grain to make flour. Okay, I wanted to say Oscar de la Renta or Escada, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the first name is somebody who grinds grain. No, no, no. The, the last name is what you call someone who grinds grain to make flour. The so word? the first name it's of this job. person is the last name of the director of the Dark Knight movies. Nolan. Okay. And then the last name is someone who grinds grain to make flour. A um, macerator, a... um... (laughs) Helen, is it Nolan Macerator? I don't have it. I don't know. Let's go with Nolan Macerator because that would be fun to say. Okay, Nolan Macerator. Helen, is it Nolan Macerator? It is not Nolan Macerator. Are you sure, Helen? Can you double check your notes? I'm staring right at you. Okay, Harry with a chance to steal. Nolan Miller. Helen, is it Nolan Miller? It is Nolan Miller. It is Nolan I've Miller. Very nice deal. I've never heard of Nolan Miller. I've, I've Nolan never heard Miller? of Nolan Miller either, but you gave me the Nolan, and a, a person who yes. grinds flowers is a person who A Miller. Miller yeah. It's a Miller. Well, Helen, to be fair, would you like to give a half point for Jessica for getting Nolan and a half point to Harry for getting Miller? <laughs> All right, a half a point for each of you. (laughs) Fun fact about Nolan Miller, even though you said you'd never heard of him, he did win the Emmy. He had an entire fashion line, and uh, his design spawned a line of Dynasty power suits. Also, I do know that, yes. Yes. Also, Ginger on Gilligan's Island also wore a Nolan Miller dress. He had a long career in Hollywood. Let's see how you do on question number five. You do still have a hint available. Jessica, Dynasty's season five finale ended with a cliffhanger and one of the series' most famous moments, a massacre where terrorists shot several guests at a destination wedding. It wasn't until season six when we learned that only two notable characters did not survive, one of whom had a noble title. What was the name of the European region where this massacre took place? Or what was the rank of nobility of that victim? Oh, I remember. It was, um, what's, give a hint, please. You would like that second hint, Helen? How about that yeah. second hint? She wasn't a gentleman, and the location rhymes with Bulbavia. Lady of Moldavia? 
Helen? That is correct. That is Yay! correct. Moldavia was the region. Lady is the title of the uh, victim. Was it uh, Catherine dis- Oxenberg? No, it was actually the one played by Ali McGraw. It was Lady uh. Ashley Mitchell, who is Jeff Colby's girlfriend. Uh, the other victim who, uh, who did not survive was Luke Fuller, Steve's boyfriend, played by Billy Campbell. Uh, by the way, the fifth season of Dynasty had its highest ratings ever. About 26 million people watched oh my gosh. that Whoa. finale. Crazy. All right. Jessica, you were able to pull it out. You did quite well in that round, but now it is time for your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Jessica, for almost all of season six of Dynasty, the character of Crystal Carrington was kidnapped and held by a handsome captor, while a cunning lookalike took her place and began poisoning her husband, as I'm sure you and Hari remember clearly. (laughs) For up to three points, who played Crystal's handsome captor? What was the name of her cunning lookalike? And who played that lookalike of Crystal Carrington? The lookalike of Crystal Carrington. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to just talk out loud. I remember that um, Angie Dickinson was offered the part. Mm -hmm. Um, Who was... Can you give me the other part? Uh, Again, we're looking for the name of the captor, the handsome captor. We're looking for the name of the character of the lookalike and someone who would have been a very good lookalike in fact maybe even spot on for crystal carrington uh linda evans okay so you're gonna say linda evans for the lookalike uh any guess on her own lookalike all right the lookalike had a name we're looking for that name i don't know alexis alexis okay and uh a, a handsome actor who perhaps played her captor who's your favorite handsome actor george harrison george harrison that famous actor from the Beatles. <laughs> I don't have any of the answers right. We'll see. Okay, so again, the name of the captor you're saying? Okay, let's go with George Harrison. Okay, and then uh, your favorite women's name you said was Alexis, and then the, yes. name, the, the actor who played the lookalike you're going with? Linda Evans. Linda Evans. Okay, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an award-winning actor, author, and public speaker whose over five decades of work include... Playing Crystal Carrington on Dynasty, <gasps> it's Linda Evans. No, Linda <laughs> Evans, are you there? Hello. Oh my gosh, I'm fangirling out. It's so nice to meet you. You are incredible. Oh my god, you even got what you got. I'm amazed. You're wonderful. This is so cool. It is very cool. I'm so embarrassed. I didn't get any of those right. Yeah, I think you might have gotten one of them right. Okay. We'll get to we'll get to that. But first, let's let's let uh, let's celebrate Linda Evans and your love of Dynasty. Before we talk about Dynasty, Linda Evans, your accolades include being nominated for an Emmy, nominated for several Golden Globes, winning one of them. You won five consecutive People's Choice Awards, two Soap Opera Digest Awards, and you have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Not bad, not so bad cool. for a career in TV and film. Well, I tell you, I'm enjoying your show so much. This is so fun. Oh, thank you. You thank guys you. are Oh, I'm so glad. In awe of your minds. This is fabulous. <laughs> Sweet. Well, we're very in awe of you. Now, we're going to talk about Dynasty in a second, but you actually had a connection to Dynasty years before Dynasty. You actually worked with John Forsyth before Dynasty, a long time before. Tell us about that. Oh, my goodness. Well, when I was 15, I was discovered in a commercial and... The agent said, can you walk and talk and do lines? I said, I don't know. (laughs) And they sent me out for my first speaking part, which was on Bachelor Father with John Forsythe. And he gave me my first speaking part. 
and it was called Crush on Bentley, which was my character had a crush on him. It was beautiful because in the end, he fixes me up with a football player, but he was so <laughs> sweet. He said, you know, little Linda Marie Evans said, you're going to be somebody someday. And I walked in on the set of Dynasty with that script and I showed it to him. Did he remember? Oh, he said, little Linda Evans said, how are you doing? How is your mother? <laughs> he knew my mother's name. Wow. I don't know how many, 30 years. I said, oh, God, John, it's going to be so easy to love you in this part. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you heard Jessica talking earlier about one of the things that she took from Dynasty was this idea of women having agency. Was that something that you were aware of in the moment during the show? Well, firstly, I think that Joan and I were both very impressed that Aaron would hire us because they were hiring younger girls in those days. Mm -hmm. And that he went with older women to play the part was groundbreaking, actually. I was almost 40 and Joan a little older. I won't say how much (laughs) out of respect, but he thought ahead of of giving us that opportunity, which I was Mm -hmm. always very grateful for. Can I say one thing? Isn't it also true Diane Carroll was the first African-American woman in a primetime role on your show? That was groundbreaking. Oh, absolutely. And he discussed homosexuality. I mean, he went into a lot of the show. The first year went into a lot of things that had not been on television before. Yeah. And that was Esther and Richard Shapiro. And they were fabulous in that way. I read in an interview that you said that when you first read the script, you fell in love with the character of Crystal. What, What was it about her that led to that love? I think the fact that she didn't do the power thing. She wasn't about the money and the power. She was about being with the man because she loved him. Blake and Crystal never had an affair, ever. Mm. We were the only ones in in all these years that didn't do that. And they actually wrote in the script that we would have an affair. That was the Rock Hudson, Allie McGraw scenario. And John and I got together and said, we don't like this. And we went to them. We said, we're not going to do it. So they had to change the storyline. Oh, that's so cute and provincial for nighttime television. Somebody had to have some integrity in the show. Values. Yeah. Well, it was great. You know, you talk about powerful women on screen. You were a powerful woman behind the scenes that you could uh, ask and and demand that kind of change. Thank God they didn't try that the first two years. It never would have worked. (laughs) (laughs) We mentioned some of the amazing guest stars uh, in our earlier question. You you mentioned Rock Hudson. Were there some favorites that stood out to you, ones that you were especially happy to be able to work with or have on the show? Well, I think it would be Rock Hudson. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I adored him. I'd worked with him many times before. And so it was very poignant that he would be on the show and at that time because we had a good relationship with each other. And I had no sense that he was going through the problems that he was going through. Yeah. But I will say this. He really tried to protect me. And I was so um, mm. sad the way the press handled it all because they mm. uh, said that he was negligent and he wasn't at all matter of fact we had to reshoot that scene several times on location which is so expensive and they never do to get him to kiss me more passionately and didn't because he was protecting me Uh, for our younger listeners who aren't familiar uh rock hudson had aids and was not public about it but once it got out through the tabloids it created a sensation there was a lot of ignorance and fear at that time and so it was a very brave thing for him to be on that show and brave for dynasty to to portray him and show him in all his glory at that time jessica you had a question about that as well did he tell people on set at the time did people privately know no nobody knew 
Mm. Nobody knew. He had to hold that to himself and the pressure they put on him to be more passionate, to do things that he mm. obviously made a decision about, touched my heart. Mm. Mm. We talked a bit about the fashion on the show. Of course, it was very famous. How, how did you like wearing those dresses with the big shoulder pads and, and all of the, the fashion iconography that Dynasty uh, showed off? Well, I absolutely adored Nolan Miller. And Nolan Miller, another fashion, did the clothes for Barbara Stanwyck and myself and on um, Big Valley. So wow. I had a long relationship with Nolan Miller. Uh, wow, that is quite a journey, just aesthetically, so cool. going from the western of Big Valley to the glitz of Dynasty. Yeah, and Nolan said to me in Big Valley that he had problems because I had such big shoulders. He said, finally, yeah. I can let your shoulders out. And boy, did he. <laughs> nice. I mean, Joan and I couldn't walk through the same door together because of that. <laughs> <laughs> You had to go Did, sideways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you keep any of the fashion from that oh, time? Pathetically, I built a storage unit. I have 70 acres I live on in Washington State. I have clothes in there you wouldn't believe. <gasps> oh, my oh, gosh. My gosh. <laughs> have you ever given someone a tour? I need the address. I'm yeah. coming there right now. We want a tour on video. Oh, yeah. No. I'm Amazing. So. That's incredible. Were you a fan of soap operas before you were cast in Dynasty? And did you know, like, how did you feel about, like, this, all the soapy plot lines like you're getting kidnapped you have a body double you're <laughs> there's a twin of you there's people are dying and then coming back to life i don't watch much television so no i don't watch shows like that at all <laughs> so it was a, an experience and by the way <laughs> i was thrilled because i had just divorced my second husband and i said Forget this being a wife and a mother and all of that. I want a career. And my agent said, oh, my God, you're almost 40. And now you want a career? I said, yes, I want a career. and I'm going to get it. So Aaron, I adored. But the fact that these doors opened up for me, mm. that mm. changed my life. And so basically, I was doing the opposite of Crystal. I wasn't wanting a relationship. I was wanting mm. to be a woman who was in the world making choices on her own. And Dynasty came along. Yes, yeah, there's that agency that. again. That's terrific. You mentioned that uh, you were not in Hollywood anymore. Uh, you left pretty much right after Dynasty ended. Tell us where you went and how you like it there. <laughs> I love it. I went to Washington State. It's just another way of life. It couldn't mm -hmm. be better for me. And, and the passion that I have in life is not in the industry, but traveling around talking to women's groups. So this has worked perfectly for me. This, of course, is a competition show, a friendly competition show. You are no stranger to competition shows, Ms. Evans. You were on the uh, British version of Hell's Kitchen. How did you do on Hell's Kitchen? I loved it. See, I love to cook. I love food. And, you know, we didn't have a competition like they thought. They played up everything. They wanted everyone to be angry with everyone, to compete. I said, let's just sure. have fun. Let's just have some fun. We had a ball. It was great. That I won just shocked me within an inch of my life. <laughs> you did one. That's great. Well, you uh, wrote a book, and that title is related to cooking. It is called Recipes for Life, and it's a part memoir, part cookbook, which I think more memoirs should be. Uh, <laughs> some of those actual recipes you have in there are uh, inspired from some of the famous people that you worked. Tell us how you knew John Wayne and what recipe of his ended up in there. <laughs> well, that's when I was young and married yeah. to John Derrick the actor who was very close friends with John Wayne. So we would go over to their house all the time because 
for me, the book and my memories of my life, I think I can't take away my memories without people and food. I mean, that to me, they're connected <laughs> with one another. And he loved the recipe I put in my book. John Wayne loved so much that when he would go on location, Pilar, his wife, would put this recipe in his shirt pocket and he would give it to the caterer there to make for him because he loved it so much. I mean, this wasn't just a recipe. He loved this recipe. What, what is the recipe for? Uh, chili cheese casserole. Excellent. Uh, we mentioned about uh, that you speak publicly uh, to women's group. One of the topics I read that you talk about is aging gracefully, which you've obviously done exceptionally well. Uh, what, what do you say is the secret to aging gracefully? Being comfortable with getting older, being comfortable with the changes that come on you uh, as we get older, if we're lucky enough to get older, and really loving yourself. And those words were such a mystery to me when I was young because I didn't even have a clue what they meant. But it's everything. It's actually loving yourself at your worst. It's really accepting yourself when everything is going wrong. There's a lot of power in turning life around in that way. We make our own misery and we make our own joy. Well said. Well, my goodness. Let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked of Jessica. First, we wanted to know, what was the name of the handsome captor who held Crystal Carrington for most of season six of Dynasty? Helen, what did Jessica Yellen say? Jessica said George Harrison. And Linda Evans? (laughs) Oh, you are so close, Jessica. George Hamilton. That's what the, that was so bad. You are George so George Hamilton. Close. So close. Would you like to give I, her a half a point for that, Ms. Evans? Yes. Bless you. Thank you. You were so close. So close. A half a point for Jessica Yellen. Next, we wanted to know what was the name of Crystal Carrington's cunning lookalike? Helen, what did Jessica say? Jessica said Alexis. And Ms. Evans? Rita Leslie. Rita oh Leslie, gosh. yes. And a little behind the scenes, uh, Ms. Evans, when I, when we spoke and I told you that was going to be one of our questions, uh, you actually said, what was my last name? <laughs> See, nobody got it. That makes me feel better. That's all right. No point there. And finally wanted to know who played that lookalike of Crystal Carrington. Helen, what did Jessica Yellen say? Jessica said, Linda Evans. And was she correct? Me? Yes, of course. It was her. It was me. It was, of course. Yes, we got there. Before we let you go, Jessica, is there anything else you'd like to ask or say to Miss Linda Evans while we have her here? I'm just such a huge fan. You were a model of a strong and loving woman when I was growing up at like a crucial time. And you allowed the world to have all these experiences of diversity and pushing the envelope. And so thank you. Yeah, but look at your life and look at what you've done and who you've become. And so I say each of us is a role model to everyone around us. You're beautiful. I mean, I'm listening to you, how bright you are, how funny you are. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's a very emotional uh, uh, reaction that I think we're all having. We certainly welcome and appreciate that. Uh, Ms. Evans, if people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they do that? At lindaevansofficial.com. Excellent. Well, my goodness, it was an absolute joy and emotional, and we can welcome that here. Uh, We really appreciate you joining us. Thank you for being the inspiration that you are and for spending time with us. Everybody, Linda Evans. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. You were wonderful. All of you were wonderful. Thank you. 
All right, Helen, what is our score as we head into the final round? Going into the final round, it is tight, J. Keith. Hari Srinivasan has eight points, and Jessica Yellen has seven points. Ooh. Oh, wow. All right, now it is time for our final round, though. We call Fast Facts. I'll read ten statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Hari and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Hari, local newspapers can be an important journalistic resource. True? Correct. Jessica, local newspapers are supposed to report the facts. True. Correct. Hari, there's a local Texas newspaper called The Facts. False. Incorrect. No, there really is. Jessica, there's a local Texas newspaper called The Jefferson Jimplecute. True. Correct. Yes, Hari's very upset he didn't get that one. <laughs> Hari, there's a local Texas newspaper called The Alpine Avalanche. False. Incorrect. No, how how else are the Texans supposed to know about all of those Alpine avalanches? <laughs> Jessica, leaving Texas, there's a local newspaper called the Fresno Bee. True. Correct. Hari, there's a local newspaper called the Carlisle Mosquito. True. Correct. Jessica, there's a local newspaper called the Millwood Hornet. True. Incorrect. No, oh. we made that one up. Hari, there's a local newspaper called the Unterrified Democrat. <laughs> I think the fact is false, but uh, uh, I'll, just, I'll just say false. Incorrect. No, there really is in Missouri. <laughs> Jessica, the unterrified Democrat, is still published today. True. Correct. Hari, it's much more popular than the terrified Democrat. <laughs> uh, f- false. Sure. And finally, Jessica, it's much, much more popular than the timid Republican. <laughs> True. <laughs> Correct. We're not going to count those last two. I want to thank Hari Srinivasan and Jessica Yellen as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to reveal the winner of today's episode? I am, J. Keith. At the end of the game, Hari Srinivasan has 10 points and Jessica Yellen has 11 points. Oh, oh my, my gosh, gosh. What a close crazy. game. <laughs> Jessica Yellen, this congratulations. So fun. I'm this so glad so to hear great. that. Thank you. Jessica, congratulations. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. What will you do with your championship? Oh, I'm going to go out and party. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Are you vaccinated? I'm fully vaccinated and yes! ready to exit the house. Yes! Excellent. Congratulations. We're going to wrap things up by giving everyone here a chance to promote anything that they might like. Hari Srinivasan, where can people find you and your work? PBS on a program called The News Hour and another program called Amanpour and Company. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hari and you can find me on YouTube at a channel called Take on Fake. Take on Fake. We're so glad that we took you on our show. It was wonderful to host you, Hari Srinivasan. Thank you. Jessica Yellen, where can people find you? On Instagram, at Jessica Yellen. I do news and um, analysis every day there, and also online at newsnotnoise.com. If you sign up there, we're going to have a newsletter starting in the next month. And I'm also on um, Twitter at Jessica Yellen, and my novel, Savage News, is a great beach read. (laughs) Excellent. Well, it's just the time for beach reads. It's the summer. We're so happy that we had you join us, Jessica Yellen. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Helen Hong. What do you have going on, Helen? Well, we are recording this during Asian American Heritage Month, and you can celebrate Asian American Heritage Month or any month where you appreciate Asians on YouTube on the channel that I do with my dad called Old Korean Dad Stories and Mm. sometimes mom 
on YouTube. Excellent. We'll look for that. Happy Asian American Heritage Month and wonderful always to have Helen Hong. Uh, and me, you can watch The Hustler on ABC this summer. I'm writing for that show. I also wrote uh, on a show called Love Games, which you can find on Discovery+. Plus. And I wrote an award show called The Family Film Awards, which if for some reason you want to watch that, is on Reels <laughs> channel. On Twitter, I'm at J underscore Keith. On Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Jessica Yellen, Harishmi Navasan, Dr. Katie Stack Morgan, and Linda Evans. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live in person someday. Get a vaccine. It'll be free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Sarah Rohde did. He, she, or they said, such a fun show, and I get to learn cool stuff. Can't recommend it enough. I just love this show so much. Thanks, Sarah Rohde. We love you, too. Especially me. Helen? <laughs> Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and Jakey Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer, engineer, and editor is Julian Burrell. Today's show was engineered by Dave McKee. Kiever. Special thanks to Kitty Feldy, Dana, Sheila, and Sarah Rodenbaugh, Aaron Schockman at PolitiFact, Jillian Banner at the Pointer Institute, Chuck Binder at Binder & Associates, Christian Stone, Laura Schumann, Leora Saul, Jim Colucci, Andrew Scott, Scott J. Langto, Spencer Marks, Dan Godald, Brandon J. Carr, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Nedef, Dave Bianchi, Eric Tran, and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong! Let's watch Dynasty and go to Mars! Woohoo! At the same time! Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to have time to watch all the seasons. It's going to take a while to get there. <laughs> it's a minute to get to Mars. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.